1: Buh-buh-buh-buh-buh.
0: Buh-buh-buh-buh-buh-buh-buh-buh-buh-buh-buh-buh-buh-buh.
1: Buh-buh-buh-buh-buh-buh-buh-buh-buh-buh-buh-buh. buh 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 <laughs> What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I am your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my older brother, Wesley we're talking about a classic. A movie that has gone down in history as one of the scariest of all time. Currently streaming on HBO. Jaws.
0: The 4th of July movie. Do you agree?
1: It's a summer horror film.
0: Yeah. A 4th of July coronavirus parable.
1: Created in 1975. How prescient. This thing predates me. By a number of years. Predates me also. No, it doesn't. Oh, yeah, it does. Dude. And coronavirus by like 45 years. But then again, predates
0: everything. Jaws was the first official summer blockbuster. It's hard for me to believe, but back in the day, in the 1975 days, the summer was a dumping ground. For less than movies, because Jaws got pushed back. All kinds of production delays got dropped in the middle of summer, and it became the first official summer blockbuster. The first movie ever to cross $100 million.
1: Whoa. That was bank in 75. And
0: it was a movie that started the summer season of, of big tentpole movies for studios.
1: It's all about Fourth of July business and amity. Absolutely.
0: You gotta get the sharks some food, right? And no one's swimming. In the wintertime But consider The first Big success For Steven Spielberg And his first collaboration With the legendary John Williams
1: I was surprised By how Jaunty The Jaws score is
0: Yeah it did get that way It was definitely right? you know, It was definitely More John Williams In a sort of Star Wars Flighty Happy I actually think It was a stark contrast To the brooding Bass chords Of you know The, the iconic Jaws theme and then when then they would hook the shark and it would be do 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 while they're like chasing the shark around.
1: Yeah, it's like very fun and adventure based.
0: Yeah, I think it was a throwback to that sort of orchestral score of earlier, I guess, because in a way it's an adventure movie. I don't know that Jaws qualifies as a horror movie, but it does to a lot of people. Alien, which we reviewed not too long ago, was pitched as Jaws in space. So uh, definitely scary, um, but also at the same
1: time an adventure summer movie what did you see in the theater with steven spielberg
0: raiders of the lost ark when he did the q a
1: yeah and you said that you came out of it having learned nothing new about the beloved movie right like it's a little intimidating going into a review of jaws and feeling like you have something to contribute i mean hasn't this movie been dissected and reviewed to death so much so what can we possibly have new to offer? to the, Well, that's this why film? we're
0: trying to we're, we're avoiding all the stuff, all the trivia. Most people know what happened. We know that the shark didn't work and uh, they had to improvise. And so they show less of the shark and that ended up being more creepy. You know, so I'm I'm sure that you've seen Jaws at some point, but a fresh perspective on an older movie that you may not have touched on in adulthood is what I really want to find out.
1: Or maybe we can also talk about the new context for Jaws, right? The coronavirus context?
0: Yeah. Jaws is about the paranoia on two fronts and maybe for, in the case of Sheriff Brody and Hooper, and to a lesser degree, Quint, it was justified paranoia. This shark was going to kill again. The fact that someone else would die was inevitable. And at the same time, even looking in the face of that inevitability, and even the mayor knowing that his kids were on the beach when another attack occurred, that still, he would regard the financial livelihood of the town as a seasonal tourist destination. He was at least not willing to turn a blind eye while people died, but at least really hoping for the best.
1: Well, that's the curious nature about the threat. You don't exactly know 100% that it's real or that it's going to strike again. And you have to have, I have to have sympathy for our politicians who are trying to navigate the coronavirus pandemic. I mean, yeah, they, they have advisors and stuff like that. But like, I didn't villainize the mayor maybe as much as I might have in previous viewings because I had a little bit more sympathy for the, the pressure that he might be under. Like the pressure that politicians are under to open businesses so that people can have a livelihood or to open beaches so that their hippies don't protest. And (laughs) I I mean, it's a really hard position to be in. This is the season for Amity. He doesn't know for certain. And maybe he is being a little a little blind eye-ish or he's being a little naive. But that's the dramatic irony at play. Like. He doesn't know that it's going to happen again. We do. I'm
0: not trying to make this a political review. Not really, anyway. But we know, I mean, Jaws was a massive success in the theaters. It led to some hysteria. At one point, uh, they evacuated the beach in real life because people freaked out because they saw fins in the water. And it turned out it was a a pot of dolphins. And there was another case where a whale washed up on shore. Beached itself, and rather than trying to help it, people killed it because they were afraid it was a shark. So, after the fact, we know from Jaws that people were scared to go into the water for a long time. It didn't help that there are like five sequels. (laughs) But in a coronavirus age, it's a politician's responsibility to safeguard the interest of their town. But we were underwater, and we know when that girl was taken in the beginning that statistically speaking, as Hooper says, consistently, further shark attacks and death are an inevitability. It's Yeah, not, but it's Hooper not a was kind of
1: crazy. Hope. He wasn't exactly a credible character.
0: Really? You don't know, think the
1: Richard Dreyfus character? I mean, I think we know he was, but he was an eccentric, rich college boy who had very little regard for authority, very little decorum. He didn't know how to behave properly in social settings and was therefore not credible. Also, Quint was like the crazy salty sea dog. And then there was the ultra conservative, doesn't like water in the first place, chief of police. Yep. Like all of these very not fun, uncredible characters trying to keep people safe.
0: Yeah. Steven Spielberg said that when he read Peter Benchley's novel of Jaws, which was also a big hit before and after the movie, that he was actually rooting for the shark because the characters were so unlikable. <laughs>
1: Speaking of unlikable, I did see a clip of Steven Spielberg watching the Academy Award announcements in 1976, and he was pissed off when Jaws was not nominated for Best Picture.
0: I haven't seen that.
1: Not a good look.
0: Maybe had an ego about him. I don't know. That's interesting. But you know what I do love about the Academy Awards for Jaws? What? John Williams obviously won for best scores, regarded as an iconic score and one of the best of all time. And when his score was nominated, and rightly so, don't know if he expected to win, but when he did, he was conducting the Academy Orchestra at the time and had to leave the pit of the orchestra, run up and collect his reward, and then run back down and play himself off.
1: (laughs) That's pretty charming. Um, I take it back. Jaws was nominated for Best Picture. It did not win, but it was not nominated for Best Director. Interesting. And that's what he was pissed off about.
0: Yeah. I mean, these days... Do you think Tom Cruise is pissed off every time he's not nominated for for actor or Steven Spielberg is pissed off every time he's not nominated for director? I think that they're beyond these things now, right? I mean, when Steven Spielberg follows up Jaws with Close Encounters and E.T. and Indiana Jones and Jurassic Park, my God, you wouldn't even think that the awards or accolades, they'd be nice. But how many more Oscars does Steven Spielberg need? But I think this movie being a success was kind of luck. Uh, it didn't go very well. He had a really hard time. There were questions. This may have been a precursor to Titanic and that people didn't expect it to do the kind of box office business that it did because none of their original intentions came to pass. Is he a good director for failing to execute the movie that he originally intended and picking up the pieces and getting what he can and then piecing it together and it turned out that it was more effective than, than his rubber shark could have been in full frame all the time?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there was a little bit of luck in the result of this movie. And I also think that that's that's kind of the key to humility as well. Like humility is acknowledging that, you know, some things aren't totally intentional and some things happen fortuitously. And you you can take credit for a lot of it and some of it you can't. And that's how you can keep perspective on on your craft.
0: And I think he's realized that because he is, Spielberg has certainly had misses and he gets back on the horse, the war horse. Sometimes.
1: Yeah, he gets ready to play again.
0: What, you know, what, what I found interesting about this movie is that I cannot conceive of Richard Dreyfuss as being a young guy. He was briefly a college student in The Graduate popping up in the, in the background. And other than that, everyone, Quint and everybody in the mayor, they call him young fella in this movie. And to me, he always looks like old Richard Dreyfuss to me. So it's really weird to think of him as a young guy. But absolutely, hands down, number one standout in terms of actors in this movie. Kelly turned to me and said, well, what else has Robert Shaw been in after Quint? Because we were, you know, I found out that Robert Shaw was only 47 when he played the grizzled old sea dog of Quint. I would have pegged him at at least 15, 20 years more than that.
1: Well, he needs to be at least 55 for his... USS Indianapolis story to make sense.
0: I guess so, but he was only 51 when he died five years after this movie was released. He was a storied and famous actor that Richard Dreyfuss looked up to.
1: I was very moved by his story of the USS Indianapolis. I was kind of shocked to find that it was actually true, or a lot of it was true, that the the Navy ship was delivering Little Boy and that it sunk and that all these sailors were like picked off by sharks until four days later they were rescued. But I think that he, I don't know if he started the, the character archetype, but he's, he's known as the half man, you know, the one who's had experience with the monster and that always dies in the end. Like he shows up and he always has a scar or he's missing a limb or he, you know, he has some battle wound to show for his experience. And he's the one that no know, that knows he's the half man. Who who you know is pegged and marked for death,
0: but that doesn't make him any less legit, right? I mean, Quint was the sea dog. There's no way. There's no other way he could have gone to his watery grave. The old salty dog who told the uh, the legends of yore and tales of the sea, <laughs> and, uh, and and how he had came to be the foremost shark expert on Amity Island. But uh, at, on the same note. Robert Shaw, as Quint, was drunk pretty much this entire movie.
1: Wait, the actor?
0: Yeah, he was like blackout drunk. That's a legendary tale as well. No way. I don't know how much of it was acting. Uh, As a matter of fact, the Indianapolis scene was a scene that he filmed completely hammered and totally botched and had some uh, went on the wagon while filming uh, with some help from Richard Dreyfuss And asked Spielberg to do that take for what they thought they had in the can a second time the next day and came in and nailed that Indianapolis scene in in a single take being sober.
1: Yeah, a single take. That was wild. Why does he bust up the CB?
0: Well, I think that the Quint character is interesting because I think he legitimately goes insane. He thinks that he is the master of his domain. And I think he really seriously goes Ahab and deliberately sabotages the boat, overworks the motors, puts himself in harm's way, smashes the CB radio in the event that that Hooper would call for help. I think he pits himself against the elements and against his perceived nemesis. And that's all it's going to be. And he doesn't give a damn if Hooper and Brody are put in harm's way.
1: So basically his fate is sealed and he's and he's in it. It's tantamount to whack Wick. Wake. (laughs) (laughs) Wake busting up the lifeboat because his fate's sealed. I think so. He's going down with the ship.
0: This was the chance he had to finally come for the showdown with his foe of old.
1: It's kind of a story of true character. And I think that was the moment where Quince was revealed And for as blustery and annoying as Hooper is, when it comes down to it, Homeboy gets in the cage.
0: Yeah. Or he jumps into the water without the cage. When he comes up on the fisherman's boat, he jumps in voluntarily. Why would he do that?
1: Oh, you mean at night?
0: Yeah. Did it get you?
1: I screamed.
0: (laughs) So we saw Jaws last summer, I think it was, at Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Uh, Kelly and I trucked out there and set up the blanket and everything and people screamed I mean this movie's been around for 45 years people
1: freaked out totally got me what was
0: that was it the dude yeah it was the fisherman who went out and wasn't seen, presumably to try to catch this shark. They were scouting around at night and came upon his boat, and uh, Richard Dreyfuss had to check something. They flooded the whole area with light, and he dived down and saw the gaping holes where presumably the shark had bitten into the boat. And uh, that was a pretty cheap scare. Even Spielberg will admit that uh, he really wanted one more good scare in there, so he threw that head in, uh, and and people freaked out.
1: Well, I think part of the scare was the misdirect because you're expecting to see a shark nose poke out, and when right. you see two eyes and a gaping mouth, it's like terrifying. That, and then the other fun, scary misdirect was in was when the the shark just kind of pops up to say, "Hey."
0: Yeah, when when he's chumming the water, and then quietly
1: goes back. <laughs> that, that scared me, and then afterwards, like. To relieve the tension and because it was just like saying hi, it was so funny. Yeah. He just kind of pops up.
0: Right in front of him, he's got his arm hanging out over the water. And you get that look where Brody stands up and he's like, uh. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> funny, but definitely not the scariest scene. I would argue that the scariest, most horrifying scene in this entire movie is the introduction of Quint. They're in the middle of a perfectly civil, maybe not civil, they're in the middle of a perfectly good argument about how to address this shark problem. And then, oh God, and then Quint rakes his nails on the chalkboard, which <laughs> also sent a shudder through Hollywood Forever Cemetery. I, When I rewatched Jaws in preparation for this review, I basically muted and subtitled that entire meeting because I cannot ever hear that chalkboard scratch again.
1: Why does that get under people's it's skin? It's making
0: my teeth vibrate right now doesn't do it for me oh it's horrible i can't like i i actually think that that i don't know there are some people some things that people have hang-ups about that screechy noise just gets into my blood and uh, i think that if jaws takes a hit in terms of quality move filmmaking for me it's because of that alone
1: but isn't it intended to unnerve you
0: it is but it's so thoroughly jarring and and repulsive to me that i hate it
1: wow Well, it sounds like a visceral response. I mean,
0: this was a pretty gory movie, right? This didn't shy away. Even as much as it was a summer blockbuster, it was definitely a very gory, um, specifically adult kind of movie in a way that they would never do now. You would never get a Transformers that's rated R in this day and age. Uh, Also produced by Steven Spielberg.
1: Yeah, you've got severed legs floating to the bottom of the sea. Pretty gruesome.
0: And in a strange way, as much as that shark looks rubbery and as much as it looks mechanical when it takes Quint, still scary. Still scary knowing that you're not going to see much of anything of the shark. I mean, um, yeah, like you said, he jumps into the water and he's in the shark cage and it's gigantic and he's got nowhere to go and it looks like its snout is all the way in between the bars. Yep. Look, I don't want to impart too many of the same stories that everybody's heard, but it's worth noting that in order to get the scale right, because they actually had a real great white shark thrashing around in a cage, uh, Hooper wasn't in the cage. So that's why they had him after the fact, had Dreyfus swim down and try to hide so they could use the footage of the shark thrashing around.
1: Oh, yeah. I saw that there was there was a credit for it. Real shark footage. Yeah.
0: So there was definitely some real shark footage, but you got to, you know, keep the scale consistent. So when they actually had an actor in the cage facing off against this giant shark, it was a mini cage with a little person being assaulted by this great white shark. No. Yeah. True story. I mean, movie magic, right? But definitely. Yeah. But definitely hooper does commit and he jumps in and i i actually found that they were really rounded characters in a way that i like and i think that came about because this wasn't flashy directing as much as we didn't see the shark we also got long glimpses of the personalities of these guys as they were talking long uninterrupted takes uh really got a sense of of the hooper character in particular He was very serious and very scientific uh, during what was kind of the autopsy scene or the assessment of what had happened to the girl on the beach. A really hard scene to watch without resorting to the gore of showing the body that we had already seen, you know, being eaten by crabs. And Robert Shaw as Quint, the inspiration for Willem Dafoe, probably. And then Roy Scheider as as Brody. As as a family man and as a practical guy, I thought everybody did really well.
1: I think Roy Scheider is a, well-rounded character worth exploring a little bit. He is the straight shooting, albeit little uptight chief of police.
0: I mean, it took him a few shots to hit the shark, but more or less straight shooting.
1: (laughs) Womp womp. He is a little impulsive, right? Maybe he's not thinking through the impact that his actions of closing the beach will have, right? He's not the most politically savvy or the most diplomatic in his desire to keep the public safe but he also has these kind of childish moments of feeling like you know he has that one childish moment on the boat where he's like tell hooper to throw the chum like he's (laughs) he's all pissed that he's got the crap job on the boat but then also at the end he closes the deal right he does what he has to do to complete the mission He climbs on the mast and he sees a way to shoot the compressed air can, you know, which they set up pretty well, pretty subtly up front. But like he, you know, he gets the job done. Blows
0: this movie out of the water.
1: Oh, my God. You're on fire. So, yeah, I mean, for a adventure action horror film, these characters have some real dimensionality.
0: And I think that even if they're kind of unlikable, I mean, nobody wants to hang out with Quint, but he's definitely a well-rounded, likable character.
1: Well, he's likable in the sense that he knows who he is, right? He's arrived.
0: And he lands his arc admirably.
1: But, you know, there's a whole movie that happens before they set sail on their shark hunt.
0: Two-thirds of the way through.
1: Yeah. So, like, there's a lot of bro-duding is it all exposition setting up for their, their last-ditch effort?
0: Well, definitely the shark is letting us know that it's a presence and that it is a threat and that it's scary. I mean, we're talking about a movie where the vast majority of the time they're on land where the shark can't possibly get to you.
1: Right. I mean, that's all you got to do.
0: Well, until the Sharknado comes.
1: Yeah. So basically there's just like a whole lot of setup where random people are dying tragic deaths the skinny dipping chick, the kid on the raft. These are all just kind of like faceless.
0: Uh, His name was Alex Kintner and his mother was so famous in that movie that when she died just a few months ago, uh, she made headline news.
1: The mom in the yellow hat? Uh Uh-huh. Oh.
0: But no, kind of nameless, faceless characters, but um, super effective. And I did like the way that this movie handled its drama, where it wasn't always for horror or scare there was a lot of adventure in this movie but in particular it was practical and real it felt like to me i mean the kid who runs who chases the girl and witnesses her basically die or when he wakes up on the beach you know she's dead um he reports it to Brody and isn't like, you know, torn up or broken up about it. It was a girl that he just met. And yeah, he wouldn't have wanted her to die, and he's sad that she died, but he wasn't horrified or traumatized that someone he just met died in close proximity to him, you know?
1: So it felt like a realistic response?
0: They were interested in each other. He chased her down the beach. She dived into the water, and he basically never saw her again. And when she died, it was sad, but he wasn't he wasn't disproportionately broken up. I don't know. I just feel like this movie played it practically pretty real for an action adventure horror summer blockbuster kind of movie.
1: Yeah. Steven Spielberg. Remember we were talking about um, Tom Hanks and splash. Uh, he was like the apotheosis of Tom Hanks Yep. in like his second movie. You can see all of Spielberg's skill in this, but I felt like the way that he handled the, ending suggested real confidence in storytelling they're floating away from the boat and the button's a joke and he just lets it be and they go straight to credits like he was already showing his chops as the steven spielberg that we know and we love yeah so did we
0: do jaws justice in reviewing it i think we examined you know we definitely gave the people some uh Some of the tidbits, most of which they'd probably heard before. But if you're coming into Jaws fresh, uh, definitely I want to know what they think about a movie that's, you know, it it is showing a little bit of age because it's impossible after 45 years. Uh, Definitely effects have changed. Uh, Action movies have changed. Horror movies have changed. Uh, Spielberg has adapted a different style. So it's not like, oh, this is quintessential Spielberg because he's, we've seen so many things from him since. And so that's kind of where the great movies lie for us now. It is examining their place in film history while also taking a curious look about how some of the seemingly random aspects of that filmmaking process contributed to cinema on the whole. It's uh, a milestone not just for its skill and execution, but because of the happy accidents that changed how films are made.
1: And maybe its adaptability to today's times is a testament to its enduring storytelling?
0: Remains to be seen. We're going to try to tie it thematically to the coronavirus. I hope everyone stays safe out there for the 4th of July. If you're listening to this after the 4th of July and you're still alive, congratulations. Congratulations so Uh, this was a movie another movie that i didn't come to appreciate fully until full-on adulthood totally
1: Uh, totally your highest rating
0: well jaws for many different reasons jaws is a must see even if you don't like it you got to tell us why and definitely the best shark movie ever made
1: (laughs) what about open water
0: no that was trading on jaws That was an independent movie that had some balls, literally, because those people were in open water with real sharks. That's not exactly responsible filmmaking.
1: It also had boobs. Foregone conclusion, your rating? Good. No surprise there. I don't remember the last time I saw Jaws. And blah, blah, blah. Everything takes on a different flavor these days. But yeah, no, it was good. It's good. The movie holds up, dude. And it's fun to think of going into summer. Maybe we'll be back on the beaches again. And if so, hopefully there are no enemies, seen or unseen.
0: But as everybody we saw in Amity, as we we can tell, they were all having fun before they went into the water. Don't go in the water, maybe, if there's a shark
1: out there. Don't go to the beach and stay social distanced? Imagine the irony if the
0: beaches technically were open and you went to the beach and got killed by a shark the odds of being killed and eaten by a shark are pretty astronomical so that it makes headline news. Every time it happens, that didn't stop this movie from scaring the bejesus out of people. As a matter of fact, shark deaths probably went down as a result of people staying out of the water because they saw this movie.
1: What do you want to hear about from people regarding our review on Jaws? I really
0: like people experiencing movies that we've all known for decades for the first time or finding out what comes new to them in their viewing experience as adults. I want to know what the problems are, why people, if they don't like JAWS, what those reasons are, so we can make fun of you.
1: You heard it, 818-835-0473 or whatever, movies at gmail.com. Let us know. That was our talk on JAWS in the coronavirus age. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.
0: can